Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Everybody say, Jesus, I'm wide open. Oh, I'm wide open. Say it again. Say, I'm wide open. I'm here to be filled in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I hope you have your Bible with me. I got a new Bible, new Bible cover right here anyway. But anyway, everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm allowed to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. God's good. I was looking at that thing about that confession. I said, that's going to come up when I do that. And I would say, well... Uh, you know, I am what she says I am. I do what she says I do, and I go where she says. <coughs> it works both ways, but anyway, <laughs> let me push in the code here and get me where I'm supposed to be. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 17. It's great being in love, isn't it? It is. It is. It is wonderful being in love. I enjoy every minute of my wonderful life that God has given me. He is such a wonderful Savior and a wonderful Lord, and so I thank him for all that he does in our lives. I'm going to be talking to you this morning. I had so many things on my heart and my spirit that I could share with you today, but this is something that the Lord definitely spoke to my heart about, and I'm going to share it with you as we look into the Word of God today. But I want you to know one thing. What you make of your life in 2020, what happens for you this year, what takes place, whether it be... Uh, any blessing that you're wanting to receive from the Lord, anything you're wanting God to do for you, any prayer that you have prayed that you're believing God to hear and answer in your life, whatever it is, it's all going to happen, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. And our life today, everything that we have is only based as whatever it is, it's only based on what we are in Him. Somebody say, in Him. Two little words, in Him. In Him. Not in self, not in based on what we can do, what we have, what we possess, our talents, our own abilities, none of those things, but what we can do in Him. Our life is in Christ. We are hid in God in Christ. That is where we dwell. It is our dwelling place. And that will be the key to victories to your successes this year, the key and the victory to your progress this year, that you succeed and do the things that God wants you to do will be based on how much you really allow yourself to be in Him and what you can do in Him. Because in Him, there's so many things that we can do and great blessings can come our lives. But in our own selves, there's a lot of failure there. How many's ever failed? I've failed before, have you? I have failed big time, and I not really have. But you know what? I've also succeeded many, many times in my life. Tremendous amount of times I've had successes in my life. And those have come not because of what I have done, but because of what I've done in Him. And as we walk in Christ Jesus, we can see great victory. So I want that to be the theme of your 2020 year, that we be in Him. Let me show you something. 
In the book of Acts, chapter 17, let me get there if I can. Acts chapter 17, and then look on about verse, where could we start at? Oh, we could start about verse 22 would be okay. Acts chapter 17 and verse 22. Paul has been preaching the gospel over the old, at that time, the Roman Empire that was known of that day. And he's establishing churches and he's preaching. So he'll go into communities and towns and villages and hamlets, those kind of things, and speak to people. And as he does begin to speak to them, there will be people that uh, believe. There'll be some people that don't believe. There'll be people that want to argue. There'll be people that uh, you know, want to have their way of, of thinking about things and, and challenging Paul. And so Paul takes advantage of whatever circumstance he's in to share the gospel with people. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens... I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. I'm reading King James language, but too superstitious. You are too religious. You got too many things going on. You got gods for everything. You got a religion for everything you can possibly think of. And he mentions that to them when he says that. And he says in verse 23, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship him, declare unto you. In other words, I saw that you had so many gods up that you thought that maybe you forgot one of the gods. And so you put up a, a, a temple or a plaque or an idol to the unknown God just in case you left out this God and you didn't want to offend him. And so Paul takes advantage of that. He said, well, that God you don't know anything about and you don't have a doctrine about, you don't have a teaching about, I'm going to come talk to you about the unknown God. He's making a play on words when he talks to them about that. I'm going to declare unto him, unto you, this unknown God. In verse 24, he says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. All these gods that you have made yourself, you won't find God there. If it's wood, you won't find God. If it's stone, you won't find God. If it's a building, if it's a motif, or whatever it might would be that you have created, that you have made, you are not going to find God. And if you made it, it can't be God. Now, just think about that, I, I, seriously, in our, in our hearts and our thinking. If I made it, it sure can't be God, can it? Because I'm not God, you're not God. And so you can't make something greater than what you are. I mean, it's just not going to happen for us. And so if that's what Paul is sort of talking to them about it, that here... He's speaking about God. He said, God made the world, verse 24, and all things there, and seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, and he dwells not in temples made with hands. You're not going to find him in any of your man-made religions. Verse 25, neither is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he gives all to life and breath and all things. In other words, he don't need anything you got. Verse 26, and he's made all one blood, all nations of all men for the, to dwell on the face of the earth and had determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Notice that God has created us all. We are all of one flesh. Or we are all of one blood. We may have different characteristics about ourselves, but all of us, somewhere, sooner, later, down the line, we all came from the one blood, from the man Adam and the woman Eve. We have all come from them. And so that's where we are in this earth. We are all part of humanity together. And notice there's determinations, the point of God, the bounds of their habitations, dwelling place. Verse 27, that's, that's one reason I'm not afraid of the seas rising. I'm not scared of the polar ice cap melt, melting. God has set the boundaries of this place. And, and the only global warming I'm concerned about is that last day when God renovates the earth by fire. That's the only one I'm concerned about. Now, should we take care of the earth? Of course we should. Should we do things that, you know, destroy our uh, environment? No, no, we ought to take care of our earth. But at the same time, this thing's in God's hands. It's not in man's hand. God had a long time before man ever got here. 
And he's sort of bringing that out. God, God sets the habitations of man. Verse 27, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might fill him after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him. That's where I'm trying to get to. Verse 28. For in him we live and move. The only Christianity you will ever have will be your Christianity that's found in him. In anything else ain't Christianity. In the church, much as we love our church, ain't Christianity. In religion, as much as we should have methods of doing things, you ain't going to find God. In the things of this world, you won't find God. It's only in him. It's only in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you living your life in him we live. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. Paul said, certain of your own poets said the same thing. We're his offspring. In verse 29, for as in as much as we're the offspring of God, we ought not to think that Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone graven by art of man's device. Now, you shouldn't be thinking about these things of gods that you've just made. All these wood, gold and stones, different things that you've made. You don't need to be thinking that. That's not God. You made that. That's not God. That's man's devices. Verse 30. And at the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And because he had appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he had ordained, whereof he had given assurance unto all men that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others said, we'll hear you again on this matter. And so Paul departed from them. Howbeit, certain men clave unto him and believed. Now, what I want you to see is it's a message that Paul gives. Two things happen. When the message comes and he speaks the word to them and he tells them, these gods you've been worshiping aren't real gods at all, and there is a true God, and that's the God I'm talking about. And he talks to them about the resurrection of Christ Jesus. They have two responses. And the first one it talks about here, that when they, when they heard it, that in him we live and move in forever being, some of them said, we'll have to hear you again on this. And a lot of people in the Christian church have done that. They've heard the teaching of Christ Jesus. They've heard the teaching of the Word of God. They've heard Paul expound who we are in Christ Jesus, and it just tilted their mind. Years and years ago, there used to be things on pinball machines. I don't remember pinball machines or not. But pinball machines were things you put in in those days, a nickel, a dime, a quarter, whatever it was, and you shoot the ball out, and the ball bing, 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 boing, boing, bing, boing, boing. And you sort of bump it like this, and when you bump it like this, that kind of thing, and hit it, you know, try to maneuver the ball into the hole if it was that kind of machine or whatever it was. And then if you hit it too hard, bam, it tilt. And whatever games you had on there, you just lost. And whatever you just put into that game, you just lost. And you, you had to start all over again with new money and that kind of stuff because you, you, you tilted it. Some people do that with the things of God. When they hear that you can live in Christ, they go, tilt. Because we are so conditioned by this world that the world says all you can have is what they have. The world says all you can do is what they can do. The world says all you'll ever be is what the world makes you. And therefore, we put our faith and we put our trust in the world system, in the man's system, and, and we look to things of this world. I love education, but education won't make anybody anything. It's just a tool that we use to get us to a place. I love crafts and ability and skills that we can have, but crafts, ability, and skills won't make anything unless you use them. You've got to use these things of this earth. And the thing about it, when we look in this earth, we have to realize and understand that God has made us in him. 
And we have to realize we don't have anything outside of him. I can't do anything outside of him. The things that God wants done, you can't do and I can't do unless we are in him. But some people look at that and say, nah, we'll have to think about that. We'll put that on the back shelf. You know, we're going to put that way back there. We'll hear you again on this matter, whether we show up or not, who knows. But we, that's what we're going to do. We're going to put it off. We're going to delay, procrastinate. We're not going to make it happen right now. We're going to walk on by. You know what happens if we continually do that day after day, month after month, and year after year? This year won't be any different than last year. You've got to make a decision that you're going to quit walking by, that you're going to stop, you're going to go in and see what it's all about. You've got to make a decision that you're no longer just going to put it aside and wait to another time, but I'm going to take it up in my life now. I'm going to address it today in my life. I'm going to do something about this circumstance situation in me today, right now. I'm not waiting another time. This is it. This is when it's going to take place in my life. And so these people weren't like that. But now it goes on down, and it talks about these others in verse 34, but certain men, they clave unto him. They just latched on to it. They latched on to him, and they believed. They latched on and they believed. There is a big difference in life than when you just hear it and walk away, but you hear it and latch on to it. Can you remember that time in your life? I hope it's today. But can you remember that time in your life when you heard the word of the living God and you heard the word of faith preached and taught and you latched on to it and said, wow, I want to know all I can about it. And I want to read everything I can possibly read. Where's the book? Where's the magazine? I want to listen to the tape or the CD or the download or the MP3. I want to see it on television. I want to be part of it. Where's the meeting at? What's happening? What's taking place? I want to be right in the middle of what's happening because I'm all into this thing. Just diving in to the things of God. And that's what they did. They claved to him. We won't let go. We're going to hold on. We will not let go. Somebody say, I'm holding on. And they said, we're holding on. We're not going to let go. And they believe. What does believe mean? Faith that works is dead. They put action to what they believed in their faith, and they begin to walk out the teaching that Paul had given them. What was that? In him. I'm in him. I'm in him. You know what? There's dozens of things in life that I can do. I can do lots and lots of stuff. I told somebody one thing. Tell me, I can do all kind of stuff good. I can't do anything excellent. But I can do all kind of stuff good. I can. But there's a lot of stuff that I can't do too. There's a whole lot of stuff that I can't do. But in Christ, there's nothing that I can't do. In Christ, there is nothing I can't do. Now, if I live my life in me, I will have my share of my failures that humanity will produce. But if I live my life in him, then I'll always walk with the victory that Christ wants me to have in my life. And so I've got to make a decision. I can't walk out this life and live this life in my own abilities, in my natural talents and what I have. I'm limited in my thinking. I'm limited in my understanding. I'm limited in my talents and my abilities. All those things have their limitations. But in Christ, I don't have those limitations. And so I'm going to live my life in him. Somebody say, in him. Somebody say, I choose to live my life in him. Because in him, I live and I move and I have my being. In him I live, I move, I have my being. Now, what I want you to think about is this. All this year of 2020, let your thinking be. Everything I do, everything I say, everywhere I go, any action that I make, it's all in him. It's all in him. If you have that mindset, if you come with that foundation, that basis, I'm in him. I mean, it works that way. A lot of things in your life, Sheila and I have a, a wonderful relationship, but that relationship is based on that we love one another. Based on that we love one another, then the discussions of life, otherwise known as arguments, but discussions of life can be sometimes very few and far between if it's bathed in love. 
what we do for one another, we don't have to ask as much if it's bathed in love. You've got to have a foundation. If you have a foundation of Christ Jesus that you are in Him, then all these other things, as the Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, that all these other things get added unto you. You've got to be in Him. Put Him first in your life, and you will be in Him. And in Him, my, the world hasn't seen what can be done in the church of the living God when people will live their lives in Him. All right. Look with me, First John chapter 1. Let, let, let's, let's get to some places here. I'm going to give you a little foundation for it this morning as, as we share a little bit. Uh, just a little bit. Let me make sure I'm where I need to be. Okay. Look at First John chapter 1, verse 9. Now, there's a lot of things I could talk to you about, a lot of foundation. I'm not going to go real heavy into what I'm going to talk about, but I have to talk about it just a little bit to get us to the place that we need to be at. Okay? And so I've got to talk to you about your confession. I've got to talk to you about things that you say, the declarations of your life, and the things that you speak out of your mouth. I've got to mention those things to you and give you an understanding because that is the basis for living your life in Him. It's the starting place for living your life in Christ, in Him. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, there's a very familiar verse of Scripture to which we all know, and I believe that we all subscribe to this understanding. In 1 John 1, verse 9, it says, we, If we confess our sins, how many have ever been a sinner? Say amen. I have been. Not anymore, but it was. Christ said, If we confess our sins, He is faithful. How many believes he's faithful? Say amen. He is just to forgive us our sins. In other words, I could receive, you can receive forgiveness of sins. It's where the thing that is held against you is no longer held against you. If you've ever had anything forgiven, in other words, passed over. I don't know, we're getting headed toward the IRS time, just finished the year out and those kind of things and got to get things ready toward April 15th because by then our wonderful government is going to want their more than fair share of your income and make sure that everything that you paid through 2019 was paid adequately and right, correctly, and you paid enough and whatever. And if they're not, they'll send you a bill. Believe me, at April 15th, they'll get the rest of it. You know, that's what they want to do. And so th those kind of things. And so... But have you ever had a, a bill that has been weighed against you? Maybe a bill for thousands of dollars or a bill for a few hundred dollars or a thousand, hundreds of thousands, doesn't matter, against you. And then somebody wrote, forgiven. They just wrote that thing off. It was gone. And I've been able to help some people in the, in the, in the past and different things that we've done and help people uh, maybe sometimes face hospital bills and those kind of things and get forgiveness. And I, I know the feeling that people have when a tremendous bill that they had was just, bam, written off and just gone. It's forgiven. You don't owe it anymore. And believe me, when that happens in people's life, they don't go back to that hospital and say, well, let me pay it anyway. No, it's forgiven. It's gone. It's over with, okay? Now, sins are like that. The things that we did where we wronged God, where we wronged ourselves and our fellow man, the things that were an offense unto God, an offense unto the gospel. The Bible tells us that if we confess those sins, he is faithful. God is faithful. It won't be that you'll say, God, I'm sorry, and God said, don't matter to me, you're sorry not. It won't be that way. God is faithful. He is just, and he will forgive us our sins. Not only does he forgive us, I like forgiveness. I need forgiveness, and you do too. All of us need to be forgiven. We don't need something held against us. But you know what? In understanding my way of thinking, I like that, but I like the cleansing even better. I really do. Because it says he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you just keep on forgiving me every single day, I'm going to keep on doing it every single day. But if I get cleansed 
and get washed and purged from that, then there's less likely that I'm ever going to commit that thing again. I'm going to stay away from it. I've been cleansed of it. I've been set free of it. But all this happens based on one thing. Verse, one, verse 9 says that if we confess, if we confess. Now, when I look at the scripture for, or, or the Greek word for confess, it, it means to assent. In other words, I'm giving assent to what God has said. It means to acknowledge. It means to covenant. It means to agree with. In other words, God, you have said the wages of sin is death. You have said for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so, God, what I say, based on what you say, yes, I have sinned. Yes, I have fell short of the glory of God. I agree with you. Somebody say, Lord, I agree with you. That, that is confession. You have confessed your sin. Lord, you are right. I deserve the penalty. I deserve the, you know, the recompense of the error of my ways. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. I did. Some things I did by mistake. I've done sins like that before. Others I've done because I just did it. And you have too. We were just rebellious toward God. We violated his word and his will because we wanted to. Rebellion toward God. And those sins we can bring to God. And God said, I will forgive you those sins if you confess it, if you agree with me that you were wrong. And now, now, again, we've got a society today where people want to come out and say, there's nothing wrong. They'll say, God, you know, I was born this way. God made me this way. And I'm okay. Well, you're not okay. I was born a liar, too, and I don't have to keep on lying. Amen? A lot of we were born all kinds of things. We don't expect you to keep on being it either. Amen? No, that's foolish talk when people say things like that. But when we confess, we agree. Now, let me give you a little further rendering. There's a fellow by the name of W.E. Vines that gives a meaning to this. He says, that word confess means to speak the same thing. To speak the same thing. We're on the negative side a little bit now. But to speak the same thing. To agree with. To confess, as in a court of law, by way of admitting oneself guilty of what one is accused of. I am guilty or have been guilty of being a sinner. I violated the righteous truth, command, laws of God. I am guilty. The divine says, is speaking the same thing. It is the result of an inward conviction. In other words, what you said I did, I did. What you accused me of doing, I did it. A lot of people in today's world don't come quite that far. Remember the old shows years ago? Some of you don't remember them. I don't remember them that much. But remember the old Perry Mason show? And then they'd have somebody up on the witness stand. And on the witness stand, what would happen? Whoever that wasn't, somebody, Burger, whoever be <laughs> questioning. I'd hate to be the other attorney other than Perry Mason because Perry Mason always won. But anyway, sort of like being the other team on the other side of the Harlem Globetrotters. You know, you know who's going to win when you go to the game. But anyway. And so they're up there talking to the person on the witness on the witness stand and finally, and didn't you do this? And didn't you say that? And weren't you weren't there? And finally the person said, yes, 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 I did it. Remember those confessions? You don't see those in the 20th century we live in, do you? I have the right to remain silent. Anything, you know, they don't say anything. Don't even testify. Don't even get up there. Don't even speak anything. But so, so we sort of lost that understanding of confession. Confession is when you just let it all out. You pour, yes, I did it. I'm guilty of what you accuse me of. That's what a confession means. We say to God, you're right. You're right. 
We, we, I could agree with the devil a long ways up to this point where he might say something like, well, in, in God, you know, I don't deserve mercy. I know I don't deserve mercy. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that. You know, I'm lost. I'm undone. I'm without God. I'm without his son. I've done the wrong. All these, I understand all that. But for Jesus and what he has done for me, now I can come on the side to where I merit not of my own works, but on what Christ has done. I, of course, merit my salvation through Christ Jesus. But outside of him, I don't. I'm guilty. I stand guilty of what I've been accused of doing. Amen? I like this, and I've heard in marriages. When people be talking to one another about their fusses and arguments and everything. Did you do that? Yeah, I did it. But you know why? Why? Because you always bring out the worst in me. Wow. I mean, that person you love so much always brings out the worst. <laughs> what are you doing? Blaming it on somebody else. Blaming it on somebody else. Who are you trying to blame? The blame game. Not the name game, but the blame game. Sally. Sally, Sally, Bobali, Banana, Fanny, Fafali. You don't remember that, but anyway. But the people play the blame game. The blame game. No, when you confess, it's it. How many really believes that if God says that we have sinned, that we should agree with him? Does anybody think we should argue with our holy and true righteous God? We shouldn't, should Hold that thinking. Because somehow, from that basis of salvation understanding of confession, somehow our mind goes tilt when we start trying to make the same confessions of being in Christ. We start talking about, I am what God says I am. Oh, I never could say that. Oh, Lord. Oh, oh not me. I can do all things to the Christ. Well, I can't. I wouldn't want to be so high and mighty. No, not me. Somehow, when we take that same confession of sin, which is just and applicable, and then we come on to the positive side of Calvary, the salvation side of Calvary, somehow we lose our guts and our backbone and we're not able to confess. But woe is us. We should not do that. If I am able to confess how bad I was, how come I can't confess how good I am in Christ Jesus? Amen? I like what Jerry Savelle said many years ago. If the devil can make you so bad that you're no good, how come Christ can't make you so good that you're righteous? Don't go one way and fail to go the other. Go both ways. Amen? I know who I was, what I did, and how I lived. You do too. But I also know what Christ has done in my life. And I know what he's doing in my life. I know how I'm to live and how I am living and how I'm walking before the Lord. I know what I am in him. Somebody say, I know what I am in him. Let's find out. Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Basic stuff. Basic stuff. Romans chapter 10. Verse 8. Let's go to the positive side. Okay? And maybe this is going to make you go tilt again. But Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Scripture says, but what saith it, the word is nigh thee. King James language, the word is close to you. The word of God is close to you. Even in your mouth and in your heart. Two places for the word of God to be. In your mouth and in your heart. A lot of people struggle getting it out of their mouth. They almost choke on the word coming out of their mouth. I mean, it's like pulling teeth to get them to Confess who they are in Christ Jesus. But no, the word of God's in your heart and in your mouth. Two places, heart, mouth. 
Some people, I want a real good heartfelt faith. I do too. But I want a good mouthfelt faith too. I don't want it just in my heart. I want it coming out my mouth. Amen. Romans 10 verse 8. What saith that the word is nigh even in your mouth and your heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. All this stuff of people whining around about the word of faith, the word of faith. He preached the word of faith. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm guilty. I confess. I stand accused. I hope you find lots of evidence against my guilt of preaching the word of faith. The word of faith which we preach. What, what do they want? The word of doubt? Let's have a doubt conference. Nah, let's not do that. Have a three-day doubt seminar. After this three days of seminar and doubt, you'll never believe God for nothing. How many's going to come? Ain't nobody coming. You ought not to come. You crazy if you come. But anyway, verse 9. What does he say? What does he say about this word of faith which you read? That if you confess. Now, there's that same word. It's the exact same word we just spent all this time looking about confessing our sins. And it says here, if we confess. That if you confess with your mouth. Well, how else are you going to confess? Well, I know you can agree on the inside. I understand that. I mean, I understand that. Mm, I can see that. Mm. Some people have a hard time getting it out to their face and their mouth and their expression. I've preached before and I've been in services and preached up a storm. And, you know, and I always preach to the person doing like this. But sometimes I learned years ago that that person doing like that, they might be listening more than that person going, wow, glory, hallelujah, woo, Lord. Amen. What did I just say? I don't know, but amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Confess with your mouth. Somebody say, say something. Speak it out. Say it. Say it. Speak it out. Say it. My wife and I, you know, we dated like three weeks before we told each other we loved each other. There was a big difference after that. I'll tell you what. When you start speaking that love one toward another, that is good. Amen. Say it. Say it. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart, there it is, mouth and heart. You can't get away from both of them. That God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Why is that? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How did he get saved? Confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made unto salvation. You confessed your way into salvation based on what God had done in your heart. You believed in your heart. You said it with your mouth, and God saved you. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now then, notice what it does not say in verse 9 and 10. Where in there has it mentioned anything about forgiveness of sins? There's other verses we could look at, but I'm talking about this. Okay? You, you see, th this thing that when we come to God and we receive God, yeah, are we sorry for sin? Of course we are. If we want God to forgive us and wipe our slate clean, sure we do. But the essence of our salvation is, Lord God, I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and in the name of Jesus, I'll live from you from this day forth. That's salvation right there. It's a decision. It's a confession of your mouth. It's a decree of your life that I'm going to walk faithfully before God. Jesus, you are my Lord. What does Lord mean? Well, Lord, God, it means basically 
don't think we're going nuts here, but it means basically, Lord, I don't have to think anymore because you're going to do all my thinking for me. You're going to tell me where to go, what to do, how to do it. You're going to tell me what to read. You're going to tell me what to look at. You're going to tell me what to listen to. You're going to tell me the people that I dwell around. You're going to tell me how to run my life. It's all you, Lord. You are Lord God Almighty of my life. I don't want any of that. You are my Lord. I mean, it's completely giving God everything. Somebody said, you got to give God everything. Yeah, everything. Everything. Well, just try a little bit and get a tiptoe in here. No, 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 no. That's not going to get you anything but a lot of misery. You, what you'll do, you'll learn a lot of rules and regulations and those kind of things, what you ought to do. And there's some good stuff. What you ought to do, what you ought not do. You'll learn some of that kind of stuff, but you won't have any power to do it because you don't have the right Lord in your life. You've got to make Jesus Lord. Everybody say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Why? Because I confess that you are. Because I believe that you are. Now, now, if we make that confession of our faith, and we talk about that consistently, that it is the confession of our faith that has saved us. It is what we have said to the Lord. It is the decision of our heart when we come before him. God, I will follow you. It's, it's like that marriage covenant. Two people stand together. I do. I do. And make decisions that you will live together, that you will love one another, support one another, be there for each other. All the days of your life, you make that decision. And we, we do that. You did that. Some of you bought a car and you didn't pay cash for it and you, and, and you paid by the month and you signed agreement said, I'll pay for it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay for it so much each month. You bought a house that way or you bought this that way or a car, you know, different things in your life that you bought that way. I don't know. Maybe bought an engagement ring. hope it works for you. If you don't, you're going to have a problem. But engagement ring that you bought that way or wedding ring or all the kind of stuff. We do that all kinds of ways. But when we come to God, we want to say something like, you mean God wants me to say something? Yes. He just said he did. Said that's how it worked. Now, let me show you something else. Let's go just a little bit further. Look at Mark 11, and we're headed there, and still just foundational stuff, just sort of revamping our mind a little bit. Mark 11. Here's the deal. Your confession rules your life. My confession rules my life. What we decide in our heart, what we say out our mouth, what we speak sets the course and charts the course of our lives. We determine what we shall do in our lives. We speak that out of our mouth. We say the things that God tells us to say. Notice Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus answering said to them, Have faith in God or have the faith of God. In other words, this is the kind of faith that God has. This is the way that God works. Have the faith of God. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you. I'm reading King James. Verily I say unto you. Or truly I say unto you. Or you can take this to the bank. For truly I say unto you that whosoever. Somebody say, I am a whosoever. That's me. That is me. When you read the word of God, recognize it's talking to you. He is ta- I am a whosoever. That whosoever shall say, there's that confession again. There's that speaking again. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. There's a heart connected again. Heart and mouth connected one more time. But shall believe that those things, believe, there it is, believing, that those things which he saith, there it is, again saying, shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever God wills. No. He shall have whatsoever what the devil wants him to have. No. He shall have whatsoever he saith. This is what Jesus said. It's our confession. My life is going to go according to what I speak and what I say. 
I mean, when we do that in so many ways of our lives, just consistently, I mean, have you ever got up in the morning and said, you know, I think I'll cut the grass today. And you say, and you get out, get things ready to cut the grass, and a little bit later, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to cut it today. Don't seem high enough. Before you cut it or didn't cut it, you were speaking to yourself and saying what you were going to do. You were talking to yourself. And some things you said, well, you know, maybe we'll do this. And you talk to, you know, your girlfriend or whatever, or you speak to somebody and say, call them up and say, hey, let's do this, let's do that. And you say it before you do it. You speak it before it happens in your life. You say it. And you know what I have found is this, is the more we talk and say the thing, our life follows it. Remember when Adam and Eve, God created Adam in the dust of the ground, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living spirit or a speaking spirit. He became, he had breath within the breath of God. You have breath within you, and when you speak it out, and when you talk, and when words come out, the words are coming out. Have you ever listened to somebody talk sometimes, and somebody might be happy? And uh, you don't know quite much about it until they start talking. Then you hear it in their voice. We say that many times. I heard that in your voice. Or somebody's sad and they're discouraged, depressed. You can feel it in their voice. It weights down in their voice. You can feel what's going on. The words tell who you are and what's going on in your heart and your life. As you believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth. As you speak it, it begins to do things in your life. And I'm creating my world and you are too. We're creating all the things about us when we speak into our lives. As you get up in the morning, this is a terrible day. It's going to be a, a, a terrible event today. I don't know what's going to happen. Things aren't going to be good. I feel so bad. It's dreary outside, all these kind of things. And you can have the worst day that you ever wanted to have. You can get up the same morning and say, I am ready to go. This is going to be one of the greatest days of my life. I'm going to get more accomplished, more done. There's going to be greater happiness and joy in my life this day than any other day in my life. I'm going to have a great time today. And you can get up and you can be happy in your life. Depending on what you say to yourself and how you speak to yourself, it will set the tone for the rest of your day. It set the tone of how you live your life. And Jesus said it without doubt, without question. He said this, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He even based it on prayer. Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you pray, that's saying, whatever things you pray, believe you see them and you'll have them. And so whenever you're praying, you're talking and believing, it all works together. It's an undeniable principle that Jesus gave us. Now let me show you something. Look at the end of verse 23. He shall have whatsoever he saith. See that? He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith saith. Remember at the end of uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 10 the last few words we read was confession is made into salvation. Confession is made into salvation. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Confession is made into salvation. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Confession is made into salvation. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Confession is made into salvation. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Why not begin confessing your salvation? Why not begin speaking the word of what God says you are and who God says you are in your life? How about refusing to come down off of it? Because this world will say a lot of things to you. I mean, the devils out there, devils and demons and doubtful people and unbelievers and all kind of people, they'll want to talk you down in so many ways. But why not go to what we've just read? Verse 23, do you see the first few words of that in the King James language where it says, For verily I say unto you, or truly I say unto you, God's word translation says it like this, I can guarantee this. In other words, that ain't me talking that, that's Jesus talking it. Jesus is the one that said it. And if he's the one that said it, why? Why fight it? Why go against it? Why resist it? I've heard people over the years 
you know, different times over the years of my life, and they'll speak things about, you know, just blab it and grab it and name it and claim it, all kind of stuff like that. And I confess to every bit of that. But they'll, they'll, they'll say that kind of stuff like it's a bad mouth in you, coming against you. And if you're anchored, if you're anchored in some man, and, and I love all the men and women that have taught me this word of faith, but, but if I'm not anchored in those men and women as much as I love them, I'm anchored in the word that they sent me to. That's what I'm anchored in. And if you get anchored in that word, then you won't care what all the naysayers say when they come up against you and try to criticize you. And all of this stuff, I mean, it, it sounds so, so funny and comical. I was praying the other day, the Lord reminded me of this. I mean, you know, we got saved in 1975. That has been a few years. At least 10 15. We were saved in 1975. What, my, what could that be? 20 and 25 with 45. I'm not even that old. 45 years. And so, in all of this time, I've been standing on this word of faith. And so, I've lived long enough to believe the word, to hear it taught and preached and believe it, but I've also lived long enough to experience it. It's not only because that I believe it, and that's the main reason right there. It doesn't matter if I ever got anything in my life. That don't matter. But that's the main reason because I believe the Word of God. But I have, for, for the other side, I have lived long enough to see this thing worked out. And I've never seen it fail. That when I stood on, or you stood on, or others stood on the Word of God and believed and confessed it with mouth, God always brought to pass whatever we said. Why? I mean, you don't have to take my experience. That's not that much, really. But Jesus said, I guarantee it. And so if I found something that works that good every time, all the time, and never fails, that's what we need to go with. Amen? You can have a lot of things people say that work sometimes, and sometimes that won't. I mean, it just depends on the seasons of life and different things, economically, that kind of way, and all this kind of stuff that people talk about uh, in life. There's all kind of people promise you everything. I heard one guy, and you know, at the end of the year, they talk about reevaluating investments and different things like that. And thank God, 2019 was a great year. Investment 2020 is going to be even greater. And so, but I heard one guy talking about, he said, I always see your portfolio and the value of the stock market and everything. I always see it go up and never down. You ain't never going to see that. You ain't, anybody believes that? You know, I want to be your investor. If you, you know, give me some money to help you invest. But anyway, no, 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 no. There are rules. There are laws that happen in buying and selling and trading in the stock market and other things like that too. But so sometimes those guys work, somebody might get into that and say, well, it worked good for eight months, and then bam. It worked good for two months, and then bam. But you know what? You're not going to find what Jesus said worked good for eight months, and then bam. Everything Jesus said is going to keep on working and just continually work. I guarantee it. He said, I guarantee it in God. I love that translation. I guarantee it. Now then. Let, let's look just a little bit further here, just a few other little things. Look at John chapter 14, verse 6. Did, did Jesus do what he said he did? And when he said that you can have what you say, if you believed in your heart, and he talked about this life that we're going to be living in him, look at John 14, verse 6. Jesus said this. This is what Jesus is speaking. Or what Jesus is saying. Or what Jesus is confessing. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes into the Father but by me. Ain't no way nobody is getting to God the Father any other way but the Lord Jesus Christ. Ain't no way. Do we, in America, do we love everybody? Yes, we do. Do we respect everybody's individual rights? Yes, we do. Do people have the freedom to worship anything they want to worship? Yes, they do. Does that make them right? No, it doesn't. Amen? It doesn't. 
It doesn't. Because there ain't but one way to get to God the Father, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Muhammad won't get you there. Buddha won't get you there. Worshiping some stupid tree on the side of the road won't get you there. Amen? It won't do it. But worshiping Jesus will get you there. It's the only thing that will. But notice, that's, Jesus said this. Jesus saith unto him. Who said this? Who said it? Who? Jesus said it. Or Jesus spoke it. Or Jesus confessed it. What did he say? I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, if Jesus said that, and Jesus has saved you, why can't you say, I am saved? Why can't you say, I am a Christian? Why can't you say, I am a believer? How many believers you can say those things? Say amen. Let's go a little bit further. Why can't you say, I'm healed? Why can't you say, I'm whole? Why can't you say, there's no sickness or disease in my body? Why can't you say it? Amen? Why can't you? Why can't you say, God supplies all my needs? Why can't you say, all my bills are paid? Why can't you say, I have no debt? Why can't you say, I have thousands and millions of dollars that God has given? Why can't you say those things? Why can't you say those things? Well, God, I don't have those. Okay. What happened to you? Somewhere you got lost between your salvation and your money, didn't you? Somewhere you got lost down the road. Now then, remember, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And you know, some things, you have, particularly in the area of finance, you have to speak these things and you begin to talk and speak the word of God where God takes care of you and God blesses you and God provides for all of your needs and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm, I was just looking. We finalized our year for 2019. It's embarrassing how much God blessed us in 2019 and how much is in store for us for 2020. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to know that God's word comes to pass and it happens just like he said it would do. And so you can speak it for a while as you're speaking in the faith, believing to receive it. Then you speak it because you got it. And then you speak it because you can more and more and God's doing more and blessing you more. And you can bless other people and do more in the kingdom of God and do all the things that you want to do that God wants you to do. It's a great life to live where you absolutely don't have a care in this world about finances whatsoever. I mean, it's not that you just do whatever you want to do. Somebody asked me the other day about doing different things. And y'all can do different things. Y'all love things. That's fine. We, and there's nothing wrong in doing different things. But somebody was asking me, why didn't we do different things? I said, you mean to tell me you won't sit on now to interrupt our life that we have every day of having joy and fun and great love life that we have and enjoyment in our life to stop that to go somewhere else and do something else. Why would we do that? We, if, if I do anything else have more fun than what we do and I'd probably do it, but I don't know anything else. We're having a great time, aren't we, Sheila? What? I asked her, you want to go on a cruise? She said, no, I don't want to go on no cruise. She said, you want to go sit in the backyard? Got a big backyard. God's good. You know, cruises are fine. Cruises are fine. Look with me, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Okay. Let me see what time it is. Make sure I got my watch. right. See? See? Amen. I look at time. There she is. Hebrews 4. Huh, she disappeared. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Now the problem is this. We, we come to the Lord and we make our confession of our sins, which we should have. 
We come tell the Lord we're sorry. And then we come to that place, we confess him as our Lord, which we should have. We should have confessed him as Lord. It's the right thing to do. We do that, but then sort of we stop. We sort of just quit. Just sort of like we got lost off there a little bit. You know, on salvation, we was all there and healing. Most of us were there and then money, some of us fell off. And if I talk about love your neighbor, I hope everybody would stay on. But anyway, we kept on going. But, but somewhere along the way, we think confession only has to do with the negative side, confession of sins. Some of us move on to confession as Jesus is Lord. We do. But then we sort of stop. Sort of dwindles off on some of the other things. And, and, and we'll look at things in our life and say, well, you, why do you want me to confess and believe that God heals my body when, when I got this sickness going against me? You want me to say I'm healed when I got this sickness going? Well, how come you didn't say that when you were unsaved? And you come up, you was the meanest, lionest, low-down snake I've ever seen in my life. And you said you wanted to be saved. I didn't say to you, what do you want to be saved for, you low-down, lying snake? Well, I don't want to be that no more, you would say. And we would pray, would you forgive your sins? you say, thank God I'm forgiven. No longer a lying, low-down snake anymore. But when it comes to the area of healing, oh, no, I guess I'm still sick. I guess I'm still this. I guess I'm still that. I'm still broke. I'm broke. You know, all this kind of stuff. And you just want to keep on saying it. And so, see, so your faith has become sense level out here of what you see and what you hear, what you taste, what you touch, what's going on out here, the five senses, rather than what you believe. Our faith has to be centered in what we believe, not what we see. Not moved by what I see. Amen? That line scales that I stood on this morning. I'm not moved by that line scale. It lied to me. Line scale, that's been on. I had a goal by the end of the year. I missed my goal. I mean, I, 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 I missed my goal. I won't tell you about how, how much. But, but I, I missed my goal probably, well, probably by about 8%. I made it 92% there. But I missed it by 8%. So what am I going to do? I'm going to double down in 2020, right? I'm not dead yet. Somebody say, Amen. No, if you miss it, get up, start again, keep on going. Amen? Keep on going. I'm headed that way fast. I just didn't go fast as I thought I could go, but I can go fast. Hebrews 4 verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest, representation in the heavenlies, that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or our confession. We don't ever stop confessing. We don't ever stop professing what God has said about us. Whatever God has spoken in our lives, we keep on saying it. Let me read that to you from the Living Bible. It says this, But Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven himself to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. King James said, Let us hold fast our profession. Because sometimes we don't sort of relate those two things. We don't think, Trusting is the same thing as profession, but it is. Trust and confession is the same thing. I mean, if someone told you that, uh, you know, here, here is a check for, you know, $1,000, and they gave you that check, and you went down to the bank and cast it, you, you would believe that because that check said 1000 that somebody's going to give you that 1000 from the bank in, in lieu of that check. You'd be able to cash it. You, you trusted them. You acted on that. You, you took the document that they had. And here, your confession, what you speak and what you say, is your trust. 
if we don't confess, if we don't profess the word of God, could I say to you, maybe you've got a trust issue. Maybe you don't trust God like you think you trust God. Maybe you haven't surrendered to him, make him Lord of your life like you said you surrendered to him and made him Lord of your life. Because if you did, it wouldn't be hard to say what he has said. I mean, if he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, then we can boldly say, he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. My trust and confession are linked together. If I really trust him, I'm going to say what he said say. I'm going to say it. Lord, I know that when I came to you and asked for forgiveness of sin, sometimes the devil will tell me I didn't get forgiven. But you know what? I'm not going to believe the devil. I'm going to believe you, God. And I'm going to trust that you forgave me of my sins, and therefore I'm going to say, I am saved. I am a born-again child of God. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to believe it. Because I say it, yeah. Because I believe it, yeah. But the heart, bottom line is, I trust you, Lord. What you said, I'm trusting you. And I'm going to hold on to that confession. Ain't going to let go of it. Never going to stop. Never going to let go. I mean, it's going to keep on going from now on until Jesus comes and eternity rolls without end. I'm going to keep standing on the word of God. Now, now why not have that same attitude about other issues of life? Uh, in the area of healing. In the area of believing God to touch your body when sickness and disease comes your way. Why not say, Lord God, I'm believing for my healing. I understand what the scripture said, that Jesus has died for my sins, that on the cross that he bore the stripes, that I might be healed. And so I receive that in the atonement. I receive my healing in the name of Jesus. I believe it. I speak, body, you are healed in Jesus' name. You are healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And stand on that confession. How long are you going to say it? I'll say it all the way out this life. Never stop. Never stop. Keep on saying it. Keep on speaking. Hold fast my profession. I mean, it'll bring you to the place that you won't give up any longer. You won't quit any longer. You get to the place. I remember when back, Sheila had a dream, and we did too, and different things we've always done in our lives. Sheila's, anywhere she's ever worked, she's always been connected to me wherever it was. When I was in accounting, I had a little job there for it, and she worked there a little bit. And uh, other places she does, she's always helped every single thing we do at church. She's done everything you don't even know about that she's done here at the church, all kind of stuff that she's done. And then she started that business where she could work at home, didn't have to leave, do anything like that, and 1999 and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, when you first started out, it was a little slow and that kind of stuff. And a lot of people helped her, and a lot of people blessed her, and people planted, uh, one company planted $10,000 into her life, and all kind of just different things that people did for her and helped her get going and get established and where she could make uh, lots of money doing that and that kind of thing. And so, but along the way, along the way, there's been a number of times we could quit and give up. But you held on and held on to that confession. Refused to quit. Refused to stop. Kept believing that if God had spoken and God had said, then God will bring it to pass. And all of us need to live our lives. And if we really trust God and you really believe God will do that, then what, you won't be afraid to say it. I mean, why can't you not say I'm saved? Everybody, you saved? I mean, trust the Lord for your salvation. Amen? Let's, let's just make sure. Let's bow our heads. Everybody in this altar. Jesus, you know every heart. You know every life in this place. You know each one of us. God, it is our desire, Lord God, to serve you and to love you. Lord God, none of us want to be ruled by the devil or allow Satan to have his way in our life. All of us, Lord God, 
want to be born again. All of us, Lord God, want to walk faithfully before you in righteousness and in the love that you share for each of us. And so, Father, I give you praise. I give you glory. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, on this very first Sunday of 2020, I want to make sure everything is right in my heart and my life toward you. Therefore, Lord Jesus, I thank you for forgiving all of my sins. And based on that, I make you the Lord of my life. I confess Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. And therefore, I am saved, born again. I am a child of God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Glory to God. That's our confession. That's our confession. Stand up with me this morning. Stand up with me this morning. Let's make another confession. Let's believe God. If you're battling in things in your heart, in your life this year, things that's coming against you, then why not believe what God has said? Why not believe in your heart what God has said about you? Why not have a confession that aligns with the word of God and believe? Pray this prayer with me. Stretch your hands toward there. Say, Father, I thank you for health and for strength. Thank you, Lord, for all of the organs of my body. Thank you, Lord, for all of the systems of my body. I believe. I understand. I believe that Jesus brought my healing, my deliverance, my freedom throughout my whole body. And so in the name of Jesus, body, you are well, you are whole, you are healed in the name of Jesus. That is my confession in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This stuff is what has worked for me over the years. This works. This works. This works. This is what God has said. This is what God has done in our lives. And when he moves and ministers in our lives, and whenever you believe it and act on it, stand on it, it will happen for you. It'll happen in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Lord God, all sickness and disease depart from your children, O Lord. God, healing, Lord God. Fill the lives of your children, Lord God. Good feelings of flesh and of body, Lord, that's not hampered by pain, sorrow, or sickness. Oh, Lord God, minds that come correctly and come right. Oh, Lord God. Oh, God, no depression, Lord. No discouragement, oh, God. Soundness of mind and soundness of speech, Lord. Healing of our bodies, oh, Lord. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Somebody say, I'm healed. Say, I'm whole. Hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Father God, in the name of Jesus, touch every relationship in this church this morning. Oh, Lord God, I give you praise. Pray this prayer for me. Say, Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, I give all of my relationships to you. I believe and I confess now that all my relationships are good. I love everybody. I don't hate anybody. I am not in strife. I have no bitterness, no unforgiveness, no jealousy, no envy. I walk in love toward all men. And in Jesus' name, I have good relationships. Good relationships. Say this way. Say, everybody loves me. Hallelujah. Say it again. Say, everybody loves me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Lord God, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Lord God. Now, you know what? This, this year that we're going in in 2020 is going to be one of the greatest opportunities you ever had in your life to have multiplied millions of dollars coming to your life. <laughs> it's going to be one of the greatest opportunities to have all your bills paid and have your debts paid and have money flowing like never before. It's a tremendous thing that God is doing in the earth and particularly thank you for his blessings. It's a great thing. If you'll stand on his word, stand on his covenant, if you'll plant your seed in the kingdom of God, honor him, have good stewardship over the financial affairs of your life, you could see multiplied thousands and thousands, 20s and 30s and 40s, hundreds and millions of dollars coming to your life. It is not our, every person in here, every person in here, that is here. Assuming the Lord should tarry his coming. I don't know that he will. I hope he don't. I hope he comes today before I'm done. But every person here, if you, if you, are, in, if you are in your 30s, there ain't no reason in the world that you can't be a millionaire by the time you get to retire. No reason. It is so easy to do. It is not hard whatsoever. If you're in your 40s or if you're in your 50s and you can do some makeup time and really, you know, plus thing, you can be very, very, very well off. Very, very well off by the time that you retire. It's not a hard thing. You can see things multiplied, snowball financially in your life. But you know what? If you still got that attitude in your life, nothing's ever going to be good for me. Nothing's ever going to happen. It'll never take place. And, you know, the, the creditors are coming and they're coming to repossess this, that, and the other. And all. If that's all in your mind and you're just not believing and you're not standing in faith, none of that won't happen for you. But, but if you believe, if you believe, my God's going to prosper me, my God's going to make a way for me where there is no way. God's going to pour out multiplied millions of dollars into our lives. And if you'll believe that, you'll believe that God can do things like that. It's not a hard thing for God to do. It's an easy, money is one of the easiest things for us to handle. You know what? And so it's not hard if we'll put it in God's hands and watch what God does for us. Stretch your hands for the heaven. I want us to be prosperous. Say, say, Father, I give you praise. You are first in my life. I give you everything that I have, all that I am. And Lord God, I believe that you plan into my life all that you have, all that you are, and you plan into my life more than enough for any situation. And I thank you, Lord God, 2020 is a year of debt freedom. I thank you, Lord God, 2020 is a year of prosperity, a year of blessing, a year of great abundance in this year. I thank you, Father, all my needs are met in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God, you are so good. Oh, Lord God. I want you to do this. As we can get to a place of dismissal this morning, I want you to turn to somebody beside of you and do nothing else but other than bless them, okay? I just want you to bless them. Say, I bless you in Jesus' name. May this be the greatest year you've ever had of love and joy and blessing and all of the good things of God. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Bless you in Jesus. I bless you.